This week's episode is brought to you in partnership with Zero Procure, who are here to make procurement simple, offering great value and quality for products and services, all for zero cost. And what business wouldn't want that? I am delighted that their support will now help keep this show accessible and free to listen to wherever you access your podcasts. Please get in touch with them for a chat. Just click on their link in the show notes or visit their site at zeroprocure.com forward slash podcast. Welcome to Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street, where each week we take a light-hearted look into the stories and individuals that make up the wonderful world of hospitality. Today's guest is Abby Dunn, founder of 68 People and all-round hospitality champion. Coming up on today's show... Abby welcomes Phil to his own podcast. Oh, hi, is it Phil? Yeah, brilliant. Take a seat. Phil loses his cool. Oh, God, I got pent up then just for a second. And Abby tells us how she likes to pass the time. And I'm always waffling on LinkedIn, so yeah, I seem to um, yeah, be there every day. All that and so much more as Abby chats us through her story and journey to date. I have to give a huge shout out to Joe Harley of Purple Cubed, who connected Abby and I for today's chat. I wanted to explore a piece of research that Abby conducted around three key areas of candidate experience. If you've got even a remote interest in how to ensure you're giving prospective candidates the right kind of recruitment experience, you'll absolutely want to tune into that. But fair warning, it's a subject very close to both Abby and I's heart. A huge thank you to Abby for bringing the passion. Don't forget to give us a like and a subscribe wherever you consume your podcast. Enjoy. And a huge hospitality meets welcome to Abby Dunn. Hello, Abby. Hello. How are you doing? Yeah, great. How's, how's life with you? Very good, thank you. Yeah, we're riding the hospitality roller coaster once more, aren't we? But um, yeah, mm, all is hospitality good. Hospitality roller coaster. <laughs> I need to keep writing these down. There's so many uh, analogies now, isn't there, as to what we're... I saw the word permacrisis this morning when uh, oh, talking Jesus, ab- right. about... Yeah, it's like that's that's hospitality at the moment, is that it's just we deal with the pandemic and then there's a cost of living crisis and then energy prices go up and food inflation is terrible and trying to get staff is a nightmare and all of that. So if ever you needed any proof that Thank we are the most you. resilient industry in the world then that's it right there. The resilience has certainly been put to the test, for sure. Yes, indeed. But we're still here, still smiling. Yes. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so how's life in the... Well, actually, just tell everyone who you are and what it is that you do. Um, so I am the founder of a business called 68 People, um, and we are a recruitment and training business based up in Manchester, um, so we uh, yeah look after recruitment for various different type n- niches of clients within hospitality, but all hospitality focused. And I've been in hospitality since I was about fifteen, I think. So yeah, I'm a I'm a lifer, and uh, yeah, we're a team of sixteen now in in Manchester, and hoping to uh, open a, a second office down in London in the new year. Oh, I see. Permacrisis oh pending. <laughs> yeah, well, indeed. Well, do you know what though? I, I mean, the, the vast majority of people I speak to are. Uh, I mean, I operate a lot within the hotel world, and the mm. they're not you know singing on the top of their rooftops about the future. But equally, all of the headlines that we read every day, you know, they're they're not yet feeling the full force of that, and so continue to kind of ride the wave while it's there. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean. It, our clients are all reporting record weeks, record nights, you know, over capacity bookings, like for like up from last year. Um, and I know that 
regions is being affected differently to, to London currently. But yeah, the, for, certainly from the clients that I work with, which tend to be ones that are still kind of opening sites and in growth, because they're the ones that need recruitment support. Yeah, it, it still sounds positive, and it's kind of like we're waiting for something to happen. Um, yeah, and round the corner. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Not that we could we'll always take some support when it comes our way. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. But, um, yeah. but I, you know, I suppose that's that's a, a great lesson around. Don't believe Evan. You're reading the media, right? That's the um, that's the thing. Yeah, They're the just headlines are just so. Yeah, the headlines are, are awful, and, you, and if you just looked at the headlines, you'd you'd think, crikey. But I was um, I was talking to somebody yesterday about kind of next year, and you know, it will be it will be the brave, I don't know, CEOs or the, or the brave people at that level that are thinking right okay we're going to plow on because I suppose that what's the alternative you know I don't know what it quite is what we're waiting for but if, if you're not opening sites you're you're growing you're stood still and you know we I certainly don't know many hospitality operators that kind of op, that operate like that um, yeah. you know people want to be in growth mode so yeah I, I, I don't know what January is going to look like but certainly from we haven't seen any signs of, of of crisis in terms of revenue for December yet. Yeah, and well, and January is always an anomaly anyway, regardless of what's yeah. going on in the world. And it annoys me immensely that businesses shut down for a couple of weeks in January because that's when my birthday is. So yeah, <laughs> I have to, I have to make do with whatever's open. But there we are, first world problems. <laughs> You'll have to do a double celebration in February. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah, well, we're going to talk about a couple of things today. Um, and maybe this needs to, this episode probably needs to come with a warning that you've got two recruiters together talking about <laughs> stuff around that. And um, yeah, maybe it might be painful hearing for, for some people, but I think it's uh, essential that people do hear what we have to say. And this has all kind of come around by uh, the wonderful Joe Harley introduced us to each other, although we have spoken mm -hmm. to each other before on a yeah. Kieran and Chris podcast uh, oh, of course, yes, was yes. they were doing yeah. but uh you did a wonderful piece of research which we're going to come on to later on but i, I kind of want to give people a bit of context about you before we get to that so yeah over to your story really how did you end up getting into hospitality in the first place well my very first job as ever is kind of was in a pub you know at the bottom of the road and um wasn't really good wasn't good at it actually <laughs> didn't wasn't somebody right. who kind of went into it and it's went wow this is gonna yeah <laughs> this is gonna be my life and I, I worked in a couple of pubs and one was a like a Toby Carvery type thing and um that didn't really fit in there and, and there was a um a lady called Sylvia that worked there and she was awful to me and I was like god this is not great you know and I just wasn't very good at it I wasn't good at carrying plates I wasn't good at I was kind of just a bit flappy. And then I, I, I moved, moved into, this is when I'm really young, moved into um, housekeeping. I was ha house, uh, a chambermaid, which it was called at the time. I was called a chambermaid. And I enjoyed yeah. that a lot more, actually, because you had the time to clean the room. And I loved the idea of, like, polishing taps and making it look gorgeous um, in a, in a three-star hotel in Skipton. Um, and <laughs> Well, they should have good taps too. <laughs> they should. Um, but um, I moved, it, it was really when I went to university, I, I studied geography randomly in uh, Liverpool and was run out of money immediately and um, uh, spent it on, I think at the time, CDs. And I was walking, I remember walking around Liverpool with my brother 
and then looking for a job and, and you know you just you just walk in and ask for jobs in, the, in those days and uh, I walked into Revolution Vodka Bar on Wood Street and there was a sign that says glass collectors wanted and I was like no way no fucking way we're doing glasses that's it so we carried on walking all around the city that day and uh, eventually my brother said to me like you're just gonna have to go back and ask for that glass collecting job I was like bloody hell so walked back in and gave him my CV and said you know I want to be a glass collector and I ended up working there for 15 years in total. So As a revolution. No, thank God. I wasn't a glass collector for a long time. Though. Honestly, I was my, they used to tell me about, you know, you've got to do, do X, Y and Z to get on the bar. And I was like, right, OK. And I was it was a really busy late night venue, no food, you know, like scurrying around in between people, stacking up glasses. Um, I mean, it was, a, it was a mucky job. You know, you were kind of cleaning toilets and cleaning up sick and because it was a vodka bar and eventually I got on the bar and uh, uh and it wasn't, I wasn't very good at that initially I wasn't because it, it was all about the speed at what you know what how much revenue you could do each night and it took me a while to kind of get to the um basically shove people out of the way behind the bar you had to be pretty confident because to, to get the to be the highest taker which obviously what I wanted to be you were literally shoving people out of the way and you know getting the till and we had optics in those days you like queuing for the optics um, right, uh, and, and I, you're definitely dating yourself here I know I shouldn't do should I really <laughs> um, we didn't have optics for very long we did move on to Freeport not so long after um, but I, I loved Revolution and yeah they were they were an unbelievable company to work for and I felt kind of listened to and developed and um, by the time I'd finished university and I did finish although I tried to drop out several times but my boss wouldn't let me and by the time I finished I had worked up to general manager level and I got my first site at uh, Revolution on Oxford Road when I was I think I just turned 21 so I was um yeah looking back now god knows how they gave me that responsibility at that age but they did and yeah the rest is history I, I stayed as a GM with them for a while and then moved into to recruitment and training so before I got fired as a GM because I you get, get to a point, don't you, where you don't want to be there on a weekend. I don't know, I probably met the boy or something. And then um, didn't want to be there on a weekend. So before they fired me, I said, right, I want to do something else. And luckily they took me into a different department, which was nice. Right, so that you made the transition over into uh, recruitment and training within yeah, well, uh, that company. Not straight in. My, my boss said, go and do something that you're passionate about. And uh, I'd fallen into a recruitment agency and he, and he kind of said, you know, when when we grow a little bit more, we'll need a recruitment manager. So he was thinking strategically in the, in the future. So I kind of did a year of agency. And then lo and behold, he contacted me and said, do you want to come back as a recruitment manager? And because I knew and know all the managers there and I'd known um, I'd grown up through their development program. So it was a bit of a no brainer. And um, yes, I was with them again for another the first my first stint. I did, I think, seven years and my second stint, I did eight years. So. Yeah, with with a year in between, so fifteen years in total, and um, yeah, I've got a lot to be grateful for in terms of what I took from the yeah Royalist and Neil McLeod for sure. Yeah, but and that, doesn't that highlight as well the, the importance of good leadership within an organisation, which I'm sure we're going to get onto at some point. So we might as well bring it up now. Mm. Is that you know here's like let's talk about Sylvia as an example. Mm. The your first mm. experience working for somebody who was nasty to you. If that's your first experience of work, and then I suppose guilty by association, the sector then in your mind is like, well, this is not the place for me. So yeah. you, you know, it's almost like the the people don't realise just how important that 
first impression is like for for people walking through their door crikey yeah yeah and it is it's all on the manager isn't it you know you, you can have brilliant ceos and brilliant people directors but un, unless that general manager and it is the it is the gm usually that's the most influential person in, in a site unless that person is you know inspirational and and gives a shit and you know genuinely cares about employee experience then yeah you could be in and out and never and, and presume that that's what hospitality is like and um yeah i bet we lose a lot of people who have one bad experience and never come back absolutely well let, let that be a message to all of them because they're all listening of course yeah and it is you know it's um it's not that when i've had good um, managers and not so good ones when i reflect on it the not so good ones were it, there was a lot of ego involved, you know, a lot of, I don't know whether it was wanting the limelight or just it being about their own personal journey. And, you know, I, I, I do, I really think that the best leaders actually, they're fairly selfless and actually they're bringing other people along with them and what they, what motivates them the most is other people's journey. And then you get your own journey by default, you know, but um, yeah, they're, they're the best leaders that I've come across that, that are championing others rather than championing themselves for sure. Yeah, I generally find that the scenario around that is, is that if people are championing others more than themselves, is that ultimately they end up rising quicker anyway because they're you know, they're, they're doing all the right things and their their business is better for it. They're taking more money, so on and so forth, and all these wonderful byproducts of just being a good person. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you know, I I was certainly told when I was a general manager that I was too nice a lot of times and it probably was why I moved ultimately from you know kind of the upside into into people um you know we, we talk about insights colors I, I had I didn't have enough red energy and I was you know too sunshine yellow um but actually you know that was some people's perception of it, it didn't mean to say that I couldn't run a business and actually you know it, it's it's sad that 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 was thought of you know whether it was a female thing I don't know but I was I was definitely thought to be too nice to be a, man, a good manager but I now hopefully you know successfully lead a, a team and I, I don't think there is such a thing as too nice that's I know nice is not the right word maybe but you know, I don't think there is such a thing as being too kind yeah yeah you know I I, I was told that yeah I wouldn't have never be a good manager because I wasn't I couldn't have difficult conversations well yeah. I think difficult conversations you can train you can learn how to have you know I was in my early 20s I didn't find it easy to have difficult conversations, but I think that you can learn how to do have those. Yeah, you know, it's a learned skill. Absolutely, and it, it, all, all a difficult conversation is is exactly the same equivalent of putting yourself outside of your comfort zone. That's just another form of that. That's all that is. And the more you do it, the more you know, the easier it becomes. And it's the thing is, is you don't have to be an arsehole to be direct, you know, uh, or yeah. get to the point. That's the that's the thing that, and, and this for me is a, a hugely important part of how we move forward as a as a collective, because I come from probably similar generation for you. I also worked behind a bar and also had optics. So, uh, and also went out and bought <laughs> yes. CDs when I was at um Do you think I'll make a comeback so, one day? <laughs> well, they were quite convenient if you were getting through were. an awful lot of, uh, I used to work in a, a holiday park and had, uh, we had uh, a show lounge, just 3,000 people. So, you know, yeah. we were absolutely churning them out. And just to go like that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and get. I mean, it doesn't look cool, does it? It's not as cool no. as the, you know, the swing it around your head and pour it, free pour it into a cocktail shaker. But yeah, we had a much less stock problems. 
that's very very true very very true yeah but the the point is around if we it's kind of the same principle of of saying but that's how it's always been you know so that's how it has to be going forward and it's it's exactly the same principle around leadership i think is that Mm -hmm. your leadership by cain or you know by being a dictator or whatever is is how it used to be but it's absolutely not what we need right now i think yeah definitely and it's shocking now that it still exists but it does you know i have so many conversations with people you know about conversations that they've had i don't know if it exists even more in hospitality than other sectors i don't know there's quite a i think we do have some dated leadership you know and and sorry no no offense but it more often than not, it's male. Yeah, <laughs> um, no, no. But, you know, it is. <laughs> you can't, you can't offend. Oh uh, yeah, what's the, the, the phrase is uh, offense is taken; it's not given, or the other way around. I can't remember. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, it's good. It's a good phrase. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, we do still hear some horror stories, and um, yeah, it's um, it's it's sad to hear, really, because it, you know, especially when the industry's got so many challenges about retention, and um, yeah, you know losing people then actually it needs to start from the top doesn't it you know if, if you're treated well from the top down then it it, it will it will cascade down um yeah. but yeah there's lots of horror stories yeah indeed and um, well i mean that kind of ties in nicely with the the research that you've done which again i'm just going to kick down the road a little bit because i, I do want to finish your story first uh, as it were you're uh, so yeah. you were a recruitment manager at revolution what happened yes next um, I loved that job. It was my favourite job, and it's um, one of the reasons oh, why I've years. got such a yeah. I know um, it's one of the reasons why I've got such a lovely network now. With, um, because I've interviewed, you know, when you work, Revolution at the time had fifty-seven sites, and I was terrassing around the country, you know, doing first interviews for for everybody, you know, face to face everybody. So you, if you do that for four years every week you know you meet a lot of people so that creates a really lovely network and eventually I moved on to their to be their training manager as well so at that time we started a training academy so so many probably GMs now and ops managers have gone through that training academy as well so it's lovely to see their journey and that yeah they all talk about the the, the academy uh, we did we did like three intakes a year and for each intake there was like a kind of an induction party and they've, they've all got stories to tell about how drunk I was at the induction party so there's lots oh, yes. of them um, <laughs> lots of those rattling around the UK but eventually I moved on from revolution uh, I went I went to work in a big recruitment agency called search and it wasn't my bag it was too big hospitality was a tiny little part of a much bigger organization they've you right. know, had recruitment teams in finance and IT and uh, we were a tiny little portion of it and it was too much red tape you know it wasn't the way I wanted to recruit and I didn't last very long to be honest I was probably there just a year Um, and then luckily at the time uh, Rory Laffin who's runs uh, B Recruitment in London he he'd been a I'd been a client of his and we'd kept in touch and we'd always got really well and he spoke to me about kind of coming on board and setting up like a northern part of uh, of B. So, and at the time I was actually pregnant, so I, I kind of made them. It was a self employed role, but working under his his banner. So I'd I was pregnant with my third child, and um, you know took quite a risk really going from employed whilst pregnant to kind of being self employed. But mm. um, I did it, and uh, it worked out. And I was with Rory for about 
four years. We had a great time. I, you know, we'll, we'll always sing Rory's praises, but um, eventually wanted to do my own thing. And so I had a difficult conversation with him and um, yeah, we, we parted ways. We're, we're still friends. And I set up 68 People about four years ago now. So, so our fourth birthday in January. Yeah, and I suppose the rest is history. We started just me and um, and my mum and she, because my mum works in the business and does our kind of accounting and credit control and recruiting from yeah sofas in pajamas to now we've got a team of 16 and an office in Manchester so we've yeah we've been on quite a journey yeah team of 16 that, I mean that's not a, a small company in recruitment terms especially when your focus is is purely within hospitality yeah it's not and it's um you know we've got some um kind of central support within that so we've got digital marketing um you know we've got a relationship manager we've got a training division as well so um we've got we've kind of growing the business to support operators do leadership training so Callie Bannon Smith joined us from Living Ventures uh, and so that's we've kind of we're we're setting it up for for growth now and you know we're hopefully having this kind of central quite a solid central function will mean that we can kind of go to you know different parts of the country and uh, you know help help clients where we've not been able to help them before yeah hands off London (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> well, you, yeah. I, it's um, it's so big, isn't it? I, kind of went, I was I was down this week, and it's just it's just a different beast. You know, it's like every single little part of it is like a northern city. You know, it's it's so big. Yeah. But yeah, I, I'm lucky enough to have been joined eighteen months ago by Charlotte Kemp, who was the uh, we worked together at Revolution, and I managed to convince her when I when I did my little hiatus in recruitment, I managed to convince her to go and be a general manager for them. And uh, I, I think at the time, yeah, she was thinking Revolution's not my bag, and I was like, no, honestly, please come along, come on. And so we were thick as thieves throughout our Revolution days. She went on to be an ops manager, and then moved on to. Mission Mars with Albert Schloss and Rudy's and became their um, ops director and, and then went into people um, as people director. And, and about 18 months ago, we were kind of chatting about doing something together. And so she came on board and yeah, the business has, has changed significantly. She's, she's put lots in place that's allowed her, you know, going back to the leadership thing, you know, she's an incredible leader and all the, all the things that you see about great leaders, about, you know, having honest conversations, how organized, you know, she's super organized super efficient she leads with red energy but she's you know so she's direct but she gives a shit about everybody which is um uh yeah i I have to share the credit for our growth over the last um couple of years i have to say as all good leaders do (laughs) yeah Yeah, but you know you're growing to that size you can't do that alone for sure that would have yeah uh, take up a lot of your probably will and and passion and energy you know you you've got to bring people along on the the journey for sure yeah and we flip between um you know one day I suppose it'll be me going Jesus Christ do we you know can we do this and and then so and she's going yeah we definitely can and then the following day it's her going fuck we do we do the right thing and it's and I'm then the one that's going yep yep we're on it we can do it so if you're you know if you're on your own in that journey you've got nobody to 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 kind of push you along over the over the fear you know the bits that scare you a little bit so it's really nice to have somebody that um lifts you up (laughs) I really love actually what you you wrote in the notes around like one of the greatest lessons you can learn is actually around belief and you know actually that's it's 80 percent of how you will achieve something comes from your belief system and if you've got somebody there who and I suppose this also works in kind of general terms in business 
in any form in your life at home whatever you've got somebody who is the kind of the yin to your yang it can lead to uh, i suppose a more rationale thinking like, like as an example i'm a i'm a, a quite a flamboyant thinker i think about saving the world pretty much on every single day and the <laughs> and i don't know what that looks like but in any case it's nice to have grand plans uh, grand plans with no plan there we are and all of the time i have i've got people around me who are are good at keeping me in check so i keep keep my feet on the ground mm-hmm. i don't get ahead of myself and all of these things but actually you need the people with the ideas as well to generate things and i've i've got a saying that i always use around the fact that all of the greatest ideas in the history of the world were shot down by people around who had no concept of what that idea is first so just because yeah. 10 people around you are saying to you that you know that idea is harebrain it's probably more of a reason to explore it because it doesn't mean because other people can't get it it just means that it's not a fully formed idea yet so you need to go and use that belief system to to really max it out yeah definitely and it means it's unique as well doesn't it that yeah, it just gives you gives gives you more hoops to kind of jump through if if you're not getting people on board immediately. But yeah, I, on the belief thing, I, I speak to a lot of people who maybe especially women who who do doubt themselves. And um, you know, God, I, I hope I can at some point in my career help as many women as possible, kind of turn that mindset around, and you know, really kind of empower them to think that, that it is so much about just believing that you can do it. Um, you know, not not to get into too personal a story, but um, when I was 30, I ended up being a single mum of, of twins and I had um, the twins on my own and I was on my own with them for about two, two and a half years from, from being pregnant. And I think once you go through something like that, and it, it's not a sob story, I had an absolute ball with these boys and they're, they're now 11 <laughs> and um, I wouldn't change anything about any any part of it. I genuinely wouldn't. But once you do something like that, then, you know, you believe you can do anything. Um, yeah, and so I just to have that change imagine. and to have that idea, um, yeah, it stood me in good stead as those two little babies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you know, that's, that's you said it's not a sob story and it's absolutely not a sob story at all. But it is a it is almost a, a story of overcoming adversity to some description because you're you're on your own having to raise two human beings. That's not an insignificant achievement to to pull that yeah. off. And, you know, your learning experience must have been like a straight up not even a a, you know that kind of diagonal up on a graph it would have been straight up because what choice did you have right and yeah this is a a thing for me is that that I've become more appreciative of the the need for adversity in our lives to make ourselves better uh human beings all of the good stuff comes out of the bad times most of the bad stuff comes out when it's easy and that's probably the same as we're now in this situation whereby we're we're going to talk about leadership probably in a second but you know hospitality exploded on the back of the last downturn in 2008-9 and we yeah. we weren't ready for it we absolutely were not ready for it as a as an industry we had to promote people before they were ready these people found themselves out of their depth very very quickly the support function around them wasn't strong enough to allow them to flourish. And this is a general statement. Of course, there are many, many success stories in this as well. But that's probably why we, one of the reasons why we find ourselves in a situation now whereby we're struggling to find people because we haven't protected the people well enough that care about this industry. Yeah. 
So that's yeah, rank number God, one. There's so many, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but on the caring, God, there's so many. You know, you talk to people about the industry. You know, it, it's it it becomes your life, and you know, not not necessarily my my story, but so many people that you hear, it is it's so ingrained and woven throughout their entire life, and they you know, they speak so highly of it and it is like a love affair, you know, with, with hospitality and there's there's thousands of people like that. I don't think it's uncommon to, and you don't hear that about any other sector, do you? You know, no one's sat there going, oh God, I love tech. I love even retail, you know, God, I die for retail. Nobody fucking says that. Um, But they would say it for hospitality. Yeah, absolutely. I think if if fundamentally, if you, if you like people, then this is, you know, just come in and we'll, we'll sort out the details as you go. Yeah. I know, and I, I, in terms of people working in it now, look, I, I've read quite, a, I've read quite a little bit about kind of people being about loneliness being a, um, you know, something that young people are struggling with. You know, whether you, when you go to university and um, or just young people in general, and actually, one of the biggest ways to kind of combat that would be to get a job in hospitality. You know, you instantly rocketed into, and you've got to be somewhere, you've got to communicate with people around you in a team. You know, if there's any parent anywhere that's worried about their kind of child going off to uni or being on their own, convince them to get a job in hospitality because you've suddenly got, a, you know, a team of people around you that give a shit about you. And yeah, yeah that's life changing. Yeah, absolutely. But it also it's, it comes back to that uh, comfort zone thing again. Like that, that if, you're, yeah. if you're not so great in that kind of environment, I guarantee you after a couple of shifts, you will be. Because and actually yeah. coming back to your story around that first time that you were put behind the bar when you must have felt, monumentally out of your depth like oh my god how am I going to get through this shift kind of um yeah. and I, I, I'm thinking that way because I remember the first time I was put behind the bar as well and it was it was that 3,000 people show lounge bar and you know you just think to yourself I, I can't you know I can't do this what what you want me to serve yeah. 10 people in the space of a minute but you know, I, but then by the end, I have of the to show, say I still have nightmares now. <laughs> I still have nightmares now about being behind a bar and about loads of people, you know, being like four deep at the bar and not being able to kind of like in you know, a nightmares where like you can't speak or you can't you know, physically do something. Um, yeah. But yeah, and one thing to remember is like half the world are introverts, right? And so people um, getting jobs in hospitality and. I've seen like, some of the best people in hospitality are introverts, so, but you, you know you wouldn't necessarily think that that fits. But yeah, it just it really does take people on a just such a beautiful journey, um, yeah. you know. And it's yeah, God, if, if I could stand and 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 you know, all my three children, I'd, I'd be saying to them, you know, as soon as they can, as soon as they get them out to work, I'll be getting them out to work, you know, hot washing yeah. somewhere. Yeah, you know, it, it's the and the other thing. <laughs> I think what it did for me in terms of starting, I don't know how we've got into starting in the industry, it's probably me, sorry. Um, I, I was a real, like, I was a bit of a nerd. I was a nerd at school, you know, I was like into, I was in a magical group. Um, so I was definitely a nerd. Um, but then as soon as you started working in, in Revolution Vodka Bar, you know, you're mixing with people significantly older than you and from all different walks of life. Yeah, and I just, yeah, it really kind of, you got the opportunity to become who you want to be at that point rather than a, yeah, yeah. a nerd. Hopefully, I'm not a nerd now. <laughs> well, you're a recruitment nerd now. We're all a nerd. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're all a nerd. A business in our nerd. Own yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Absolutely. Big up the nerds for sure. Um, <laughs> back to your story, just for, uh, we're, we're 
kind of have wrapped it up, but there's a section in the middle that I really want to talk about, which is because this is actually the first time that I had heard of you, as it were, yeah. was COVID obviously happened. Yeah. As a small business owner, yeah. I, you and I have been through a, a similar journey and in that moment was scary beyond words. But, you know, the lessons we learned and all of that were quite amazing. And actually what I remember about you is, is that you, you actually started a campaign. All I did was start a podcast. Oh, so you <laughs> yeah. Tell us about that. How did that come about? What was the kind of the, the thinking behind that? Well, Phil, one of my flamboyant ideas landed. <laughs> and similar to you, have lots of them that never fucking go anywhere. So um, yeah, when you've got a bit of time was... <laughs> and there's no money coming in anyway, that's the time to yeah, give stuff exactly. a shot, right? <laughs> so shockingly, one of my ideas, yeah, did uh, did really well. So it was myself and Antonia. Uh, Lalmon from uh, she'd put a tweet out about the number of cancellations that she'd had and uh, uh, her and I were friends and we kind of I remember going into a, a, a pub and it was you couldn't walk up to the pub at the time it was all like red taped off and we kind of sat there and put this little campaign together literally on the back of a napkin and drew a drew a logo and and yeah it, we'd arranged for I wanted it to we had this idea about it being like a thunderclap thing where everybody posts something about it at the same time so and it was a it was a campaign kind of no more no shows about um challenging customer behavior about cancelling reservations yeah and so we got at the time I remember asking loads of people look can you just post this at this time post this at this time and I got some shit for it actually I got um I got people saying well, you see recruiter harvesting data and I was like heck you know I'm trying to you know I'm trying my best here yeah. Um, I wasn't trying to harvest data. Uh, anyway, it went it went pretty well, and we got kind of yeah coverage. Like um, Antonio was on the BBC, it was on Channel Four and uh, ITV, and it had loads of loads of celebrity chefs at the time were having the same problem, so they kind of got behind it. And uh, I mean, yeah. yeah, so something I did landed, which was nice, and it was good to have some kind of bit, whatever small part it had on, on people showing up. Then um, I'm glad I could play some kind of supportive role. Yeah, I mean, it would. It was. It's a, it was a disease before the pandemic, anyway. Yeah, you're accentuated by the pandemic uh, as well, where businesses had been, you know, crippled through that period, and so then to come back and then, and it, you know, I've, I've seen this happen in big businesses where they have, you know, EAs who are booking out tables in ten different restaurants for their chief exec, you know, and but then fail to cancel the nine that they don't use. Uh, or even yeah. the 10 if they decide not to go for lunch you know that that sort of thing yeah. so it is a it's i mean absolutely it sounds so condescending well played you it's it, you know it's such an, a monumentally wonderful thing to put on the map and as you say even if it just puts a little seed of doubt into people well I, you know if i'm going to cancel at least adhere to the cancellation policy you know which yeah. is generally not unreasonable no exactly i do when we talk a lot to um, people working in the industry and customer behaviour comes up a lot um, as re- reasons for stress, anxiety, for leaving the industry. And it's, um, you know, it is a real problem. And, you know, the, especially maybe in the late night or the or the bar sector where actually there's a lot more alcohol involved, you know, that it is a reason why people leave. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I, I, I haven't got any solutions, but it's um, it certainly feels as though with the younger generation coming through, um, who are maybe not not wanting to have 
confrontational situations with with customers that actually they just go fuck it I'm gonna leave I don't want that I don't want that argument I don't want that Karen moaning about whatever sorry Karen's yeah but that you know they, they'll just they'll leave rather than try and develop their own skill around it they'll they'll leave and I think that is a, a real challenge that the industry has now and that's just mm. and no one else has which is one element of consumer behavior wasn't it but it, it is still a problem whatever yeah. you know god I love customers and we can't, we can't have an industry without them can we but the you know there are some um be lovely to do some like customer training can we do that? Well, there's an idea. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, how does, how does, but I, I've often thought about this. Like, there's also, we've all been customers and consumers of hospitality and any other service that you care to mention over the years. There's being a good customer and there's being a bad customer. And actually, I've always mm-hmm. found by being, even when you want to complain about something, if you're good about it, you get more back. Like, I you just know, cannot bad. understand people being rude. I, I know no. people being, I just don't get it. I just, you know, belittling somebody, uh, you know, it's it's never the person's fault that you're dealing with. It's, you know, you whatever yeah. problem that you've got, you know, nine times out of 10, it's not the server's fault. And, and so just being rude, you know, I would honestly, I really wouldn't want to be friends with somebody that was rude to hospitality workers. You know, it's, it's such a, it, it really pisses me off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really unnecessary and it's very egotistical. Yeah, totally. I I completely agree. Yeah, and that's also, I suppose that's, it's part of the overall jigsaw as to why we end up losing people. It's not, we're going to talk now about, you know, one of the reasons why we're having our chat today, but it's, there's so many parts of the jigsaw. And, you know, if, if guests and customers can learn that they are having an impact, I mean, I don't know if they'd ever take it on board, but all we can do is look after yourself, right? As, as you said in your, uh, in your notes that you very kindly sent through to me, you know, just just be kind, just be cool. Yeah. You know, know. like what's the need to get angry at everything? Yeah. No, and it is, you see it all the time and it's not just alcohol related. You know, there are people that are just snippy and curt and uh, yeah, I don't like it. I don't like it. Call it out. (laughs) You know, if you're with people that are being rude, you should call it out and just move them away from the situation because yeah, more often than not, it's it's not the, you know, young girl or young lad's fault that you're talking to. Yeah, absolutely. Just think of the health benefits of just being cool. Like so much better for your heart, so much better for your stress. It's so so much better for everything. Just stop being an arse and just be cool. There we are. Yeah, I was in a restaurant yesterday and um, the the girl um, had like a chicken skewer and she she was pulling the skewer out in front of me and the, it, it kind of slipped and basically the sauce went all over my bright green, like kind of tight, Coloured sauce, but tired green sauce went all over my face and all down my Lovely. jumper, and she was absolutely mortified. But you know what? What is the point in me? To, I, I never would. It would never be in me to be angry in any way. But I was just like, look, it happens. Don't please don't worry about it. But you can just know that she's got. If that was somebody else, you know that she would have just got a load of grief and you know I want a new jumper, blah blah. blah. But it's just like just it just it just happens, doesn't it? You know, yeah, she's, she feels bad enough man. without you making her feel any worse. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Anyway, right, let's get to, uh, you did a wonderful piece of research, and not only is it wonderful, it's beautifully presented as well. Is that because, <laughs> you've, got a, is that because you've got a digital marketer on board now? Yes, because we've got loads of people world, over the air, it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it would be like hand-drawn on some, like, you know, napkin if it was me. No. Somebody, yeah, yeah. Somebody very creative has done that. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, talk to me about how this came about. What was the, 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 I mean, I could probably guess the motivation as to why you wanted to do it, but, but how did it all come about? 
Um, well, I don't. Um, I don't know if this is the motivation that you want, but I was um, asked to um, speak at a caterer, uh, the caterer running their Northern People event. And I thought, look, what people really want to know, or I think the valuable opinion that I've got is this kind of umbrella piece. If you sit over lots of different clients, so, you know, look, I love going to all these industry events and it's great to hear somebody speak, but many a time they're speaking about their own experience within their own organization so to have the opportunity to be able to talk from a kind of overarching piece of like this is what's happening as a third party and this is what's you know happening to candidates and this is what some um, operators are doing I thought would be really valuable so I I mean it wasn't too it wasn't like um you know I'm it's not like a piece of university um work or anything it's not like a dissertation it was a um a, a survey that we put together on job form and shared it across all the facebook groups and i say facebook groups because that there's you know there's, there's thousands of members of these facebook groups that are the bar groups you know the um so in the north but per city there's there's a kind of bar operators one and then there's a sales and events one so we shared it all across those groups and and the take-up was really good you know it was a really short survey so we had about 200 and odd people fill it in and so yeah i mean it, it it's not a thousands and thousands I'm sure an insight person would tell you that you needed thousands of pieces of data but we got um over different surveys we got about 500 something pieces of data altogether and we were asking about candidate experience we were asking about work-life balance and we we're asking about team turnover they were the three things that I was kind of wanted to talk about so the survey was kind of angled to get some data around those yeah and yeah I, I, were the results surprising probably not <laughs> Because I, you know, as a fellow recruiter, you, you hear stories, I'm sure you hear stories all the time about the reality of, of, you know, what's happening. And for me, the one that stood out the most was around this candidate experience piece. And I think where every company misses a trick, because it's not just one company, actually, nobody's is really thinking about the people that don't get a job. Um, so the people that go through a recruitment process with you and don't get a job, actually, they, they kind of come onto a a certain radar, don't they? An operator's radar uh, off a stage, and and so that you know, then then they suddenly started measuring their engagement might start to be measured if you're lucky. Um, yeah. But before that, there was all sorts of horrendous experiences that were just nobody knew about. You know, there were companies with amazing values and you know really wonderful people teams and ops teams, but no one knew what was happening to these people because it was happening at site level and it was never measured. Mm. And so that was the kind of data that was really interesting, and, and it makes you think about when we we trying to attract young people as their first job into the industry you know how many of them are having a really shit interview or recruitment process and going yeah screw hospitality yeah and especially at a time when when by you know there's no shortage of jobs for these people if you yeah. you walk into everybody's fighting for them yeah yeah and you, you have a, a really terrible interview experience and do you know the thing that like i Oh God, I've got pent up then just for a second. Um, you know, the thing <laughs> that kind of really winds me up is that is the fact that like everybody knows this. Like this is not. I know it's bloody not rocket science, is it? It's the no, basics. It's the same all. stuff I was talking about twenty years ago. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it's the uh, and I had I was lucky enough to have a, a lady on the podcast a few weeks ago called Varian Palmer, who's the GM down at the Headland Hotel in uh, Newquay in Cornwall. Nice. Wonderful business. She had a great saying, which I've now taken into my own psyche, is the standard you walk past is the standard that you accept. And I um, love it. Yes, yeah, it's, it's really powerful, isn't it? And, I, you yeah. know, that, that, was, that was applied to her from an operations perspective in terms of, you know, you walk past 
a napkin on the floor or something like that, then you're willing to have that kind of level of cleanliness as your thing. But actually, when you equate it back to methods of business in any form, that's exactly what we're talking about here is, is that you really should be as a business when you're trying to attract people into your into your business at a time when it's difficult to attract people into your business, making yeah. sure that you are absolutely, if nothing else, just getting some human basics in play. Like yeah. make somebody feel like they belong the moment they walk in the door. And if you can't do that, then you need to find somebody who can because yeah. that's, if you're not getting past that, you're always you're just going to be in this perpetual battle to find people who, you know, who will come, maybe if they do get through that, they'll then stay an hour of a shift and go, well, this is not a great place to be. So um, forget it. Thanks very much. Yeah. And I think it takes a lot, you know, it, it takes young people a lot. I read something the other day about um, a, a father that was kind of, saying not moaning, he was saying that his daughter had been in somewhere and handed a CV and, you know, asked, and, and that she was told quite abruptly, you need to apply online. And I was like, God, you know, that, why, why would you do that? Why not just find the time to sit down with someone? Someone's taken the time to choose your business, to walk mm. in with a CV, and, you know, to print it out, to do it properly, to like you're crazy to to just go to have the apply online, to come in you know? as well. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And um, what you know, we are we're hosp- the bit that kind of really winds me up is that we're a hospitality business, and you know, it, it, we're we're not treating these guys that are coming for interviews like we would like equally to how we treat our guests. You know, we, we you would never dream of a guest walking in and. And you know, forgetting that they were coming, or um, you know, yeah. not giving them the time of day, or yeah, being on your phone during an interview, all the, all the horrible things that happen. And it's um, yeah, we've got a long way to go. And I think, but, but really easy things to to get right. You know, I, I was talk, I was talked um, when I was speaking about you know, if somebody comes in and you're expecting them, you know who they are and what time. You know, how wonderful would it be if you were welcomed by name as you walked in, or if you got an interview? Oh, hi, is it Phil? Yeah, brilliant. Take a seat. Yeah. Um, but it's so shoddy, you know, people, managers being late, managers being interrupted. One of the stats on this survey was that 43% of people's interviews were less than 10 minutes. I mean, that's like, that's just shit. Like, what do you know yeah. about somebody in 10 minutes? You either made a snap judgment or you've, yeah, you, you just, you, and it's not just about, if somebody's brilliant, like, even if they're brilliant and your your 10 minutes is thinking, God, I, this guy's great, I've got to get them in. That's not enough. You've got to give the person the opportunity to engage with you and, you know, get to know you and, and have the power of choice and, and, and you know, know a bit about you. Yeah. One of the other stats was that 36% of people never heard back from a first interview. And look, I'm not saying people need individual feedback but to never hear back. Yeah, just some kind uh, you of know, I don't think you need. Do yeah, exactly. I mean, and we, we we moan about people ghosting us. Well, bloody hell! Sometimes you think we deserve it because if this is what we're we're delivering as a recruitment piece, yeah. Yeah, and again, <laughs> on the high horse now. Bill. Here we go. Here we go. That is uh, one high horse <laughs> yeah, for sure. But um, no, but I completely agree with you. And and I suppose this is the thing. You know, you uh, the comment you made earlier around when you did the campaign and people look at us recruiters and go, oh, there they are. They're just, you know, farming data or whatever. Oh, that's, all, what, that's all they're in this for. I, you know, yeah. I, I can't speak for all of the recruiters out there, but I certainly know that you and I certainly know that I absolutely give a shit about this industry. And I've never cared more, I think, than I do right now because it's yeah. it needs us. It needs our help and it needs all of us to, you know, stop getting in each other's way and start helping each other to make the industry better. 
And so uh, yeah. anybody who's listening out there who thinks that all recruiters and that's all we care about, then sorry, but I will fight that until the cows come home. I mean, I tell you, I, I challenge everybody that's ever used a recruiter to go and talk to the recruiter and ask genuinely about their own recruitment process and you'll get some of the best feedback you've ever had. Mm. Um, you know, because it's a it's an interesting relationship, a client and, and, and a recruiter, depending on who your client is within the business. But, you know, it is a unique position because you see how an operator's recruitment process is comparing to others. So you can see how why candidates are making the, the choices that they're making. So, yep. you know, to be we've got we have got some clients that do say do kind of talk a lot about their people culture and actually you know we would be able to give them some feedback on how that's not come across in their interview process or that you know x y or z has happened so I do challenge people to talk to their recruiter and kind of use them because actually they've got so much information in their head from all the conversations that they have hundreds of conversations you know and they, they know exactly what's going on with different clients yeah it's a really untapped resource of a recruiter's mind of kind of you know how to make your recruitment journey better internally yeah totally and actually even if i would encourage people to reach out to you and and get this wonderful document that you've put together just to kind of get because it's really visual and it's it really breaks it down very very simply and to understand where some of the gaps might be in the process mm-hmm. you know, and why you're not being able to retain people and all of these things but i think even if you as a business, think to yourself, actually, do you know what? We're doing okay. I'd reach mm. out anyway because actually it's really, really important that you protect whatever you think it is that you're doing well. But also, yeah. you know, it it's just it kind of serves as a warning. This is what's going to happen if you let your standards drop. So, uh, you know, there's yeah. there's wins even for the companies that are doing things great. And thankfully, there are many of them. Uh, we def- I definitely don't want to paint a an image of the industry that you know everybody's crap and everybody's doing things badly because that's absolutely not the case yeah and it is it's a site level thing yeah yeah it happens that um you know the the greatness or the the, the weaknesses happen at, at site level so you know and i really think this recruitment experience is a site level piece of work you know it's not a cascading I mean, it's a little bit of this, but cascading systems or processes down and a bit of values at the top. This is a, a team of people, of hourly paid people and a management team should be saying, right, how can we make this experience great? And coming and having the freedom or autonomy to make some decisions about process, right? What can we do to make someone feel fucking brilliant here, you know, and make somebody welcome? Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's, a, it, it's not a top-down Oh, this process, this process, this process. It has to be a, a collaborative. Like, let's all sit down and, and you know do a session on how do we make recruitment great in our site. That's when I think we'll see change, not just more more processes coming in from the HR team. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, ultimately, there's no real downside to this because even think about no, if you no cost you either to many of it. <laughs> totally. I mean, you welcome somebody into your business to give them an interview and you look after them in that process, but maybe they're not the right candidate for your business or whatever it is, but you've looked after them. They're going to remember that. So they go away Definitely. and they upskill themselves and they come back three years later for an assistant manager job or a manager job or whatever. And they come back to you because I remember that time that Abby uh, looked after me when she um, yeah. when she interviewed me for that role that I didn't get. 
and you'll you'll know this as well as I do, Phil. That it's such a small industry. It's such a small industry that you know yeah. that that person that you're you know a bit of a dick to in two years' time, you know, you suddenly look up, you come across them again, and you, you know yeah. they're giving interviewing you, or you know you never know. <laughs> yeah. It's just it's too small an industry to not treat people fucking brilliantly. Yeah, here, here. Lots of Absolutely. swearing. Sorry, Phil. No, no, it's all right. It's all right. I just took a box on Apple that says, you know, it's going to, it's going to be explicit. So, you know, that's fine. <laughs> I'm like a rapper. Yeah. <laughs> uh, brilliant. Um, any other big points from, from your research that you think are, are worth sharing? Um, so we did Canada Experience, didn't we? Oh, yes, there is. Work-life balance. Like it's, it remains the biggest reason people come to us for a job and want to leave their current job and it remains the biggest reason why people want to join an employer so if an employer is committing to a 40-hour week contract or 40 and they've got a process in place to flag up hours over that so whether that's overtime and paid overtime or time in lieu you know they those companies are winning they're winning the race but shockingly in the survey we found that 86 percent of people were uh, not paid overtime for their hours, and seventy-eight percent of people work more than their contracted hours. That's a lot, and, and a lot of them are doing. You know, some might be a couple, but some are doing between five and ten more than their contracted hours, week in, week out. And mm. I, I cannot hear again. Oh, that's just the industry. I can't hear from another kind of yeah operator <laughs> that that's just the industry that we work in because that's not good enough. You know, yeah. we can't. Com- we are competing with every other single industry for talent. So we, we're not going to win if we don't pay people for hours that they work. I mean, it's bloody ridiculous. We've got away with it for too long, and yeah, yeah it's not good enough anymore. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's another piece of the jigsaw, isn't it? I mean, there's so many pieces of the jigsaw to. I know. To, to it's get a massive right. jigsaw, Phil. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. I'm still what's ten thousand pieces, probably. I don't know. Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely. But uh, <laughs> one piece at a time. Us. We'll solve it one piece at a time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but that's but that is the thing but it also i think critically it needs enough people to want to make the change but then yeah. actually carry it out like it's one thing to talk about the issue right it's another thing to to actually start implementing things and everything that we're talking about here okay it might take your business a little bit of time if you're used to a scenario whereby you do ask a little bit more of people week in week out to yeah. adjust that but actually things like improving your recruitment experience you could change just by changing your mindset towards it that's literally it yeah and I don't want like I'd hate to think that somebody was listening going oh my god you don't know how a PL works we've got we can't suddenly you know up our labor percentages everything's so tight yeah. but I get that and, and it's the restaurants it's the food operations that will take the biggest hit on that but you know I'm I have shares in a, in a in a bar down the road so I'm not you know I've got an operational mind I understand uh, kind of how P&Ls work and I know this isn't easy to suddenly go like okay we're going to pay everybody for every single hour that they work but it just has to happen we have to find a way to do it because yeah. it's not good enough to not do it is it yeah yeah absolutely I mean the, the choice is that we don't deal with that and then we are just in this perpetual cycle of being at the bottom of the the, the tree really when it comes to talent yeah, but you know, sound, it all sounded a bit negative then. But yeah, very. I, I think the changes positively. that we've seen. <laughs> yes, the changes that we've seen over the last eighteen months yeah, have been significant, haven't they? Yeah. And we never, if we were sat here pre-COVID and and thought that we could have 
seen the salary increases that we've seen, seen the benefits package increases that we've seen, seen the difference that we have made to work-life balance for so many people. You know, the development path, the training pathways, like there's so much positive stuff happened in such a short period of time. And that's the, yeah, yeah that's the also worth remembering. Yeah, and I think there's also a, a, a greater willingness to share now than the than oh I've God, ever, yeah. I can ever remember. You know, so people who are out there doing things well are not tend they're not like you know this is mine. You know, the, yeah. this has worked for us. If you want a blueprint, then you know, give us a shout and we'll see what we can do to help. Because ultimately, yeah, I love the collaboration. Yeah, yeah, exactly, uh, absolutely. So, I, and actually, I'll make a, a, a plea. This will give an indication as to how many people are still listening. But um, if if you are out there doing something really cool and brilliant and you're happy to share, please do reach out because I'd love to have a, a, a conversation with you around what it is that you're doing that's that's making the difference. Because I think if, it, if enough of us do that, then um, then we start turning the tide, basically. And uh, Yeah, and, and I can, think look, I, I'm always looking for the one big solution to all this. And it, it is... I'm never going to find that. I mean, I think one one thing we talk about at 68 people is, is Dave Brailsford's marginal gains. You know, it, it's tiny tweaks to everything. You know, it's a hundred changes about a recruitment process. Um, it, it, it's that, that's going to make turn the dial. It, it, it's not one big thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the, those hundred things are really easy to do because we know what they are. You know, they're just get going to somebody, making sure the interview starts on time, making sure you give them 30 minutes, making sure you've you know, welcome them properly. Make sure you made them a drink. These they're tiny things. Yeah. But yeah, that kind of stuff will change the dial in the long term. Yeah, absolutely. And as I've always said, if enough people look after their own house, then ultimately they become the majority. And yeah, you know, all the rest are being left so far behind that they have no choice but to uh, exactly. to up the game as well. So yeah. excellent. Well, um, let's leave on a high. <laughs> I mean, I th- to be honest, Yay. this is a high for me because this is stuff that absolutely needs to be talked about front and centre for as long as it takes for, for it to kind of sink in and for as long as it takes to actually make meaningful change. So I'd, this is a really positive conversation for me and I hope that yeah, people yeah. out there think the same because, as you say, we can absolutely, uh, as as the people who operate on the fringes and in the shadows of the, uh, the industry... <laughs> Lurking. Yeah, we, we get... <laughs> We get such a sweeping view of how good or bad things are. Yeah. So we can absolutely be here to to help uh, in that process. Yeah, go and speak to your recruiter and find out what's go- yeah how yeah. how they rate your recruitment experience. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, be ready, <laughs> and don't blame them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <I'm confusing> uh, them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and up your rate as well. Yeah, sorry, no. Um, final thing to kind of uh, I suppose just summarize positively but let's come back to the whole reason why this podcast is here in the first place which is to promote the industry it might sound like we've not been doing that but actually what what would be your top three reasons as to why somebody should come and join hospitality um what would be my top three um friends definitely look I've met some of the most wonderful people and you know I'm a different person because of the people that I've met in hospitality and I wouldn't have met them anywhere else general coolness is that a thing I, I, I just think just because you meet so many different people and you you're put into this kind of different set of challenges you just become cool maybe cool is not the right word but more resilient more 
you know, kind of more broad, more diverse in your thinking, more open-minded. So that's two. And third, yeah, I mean, the, and it's an obvious one and everyone says it, but the opportunities are, are endless, aren't they? You know, you can yeah. it, you get you get, get into the right company and you can, you know, the, the, the sky, the sky wow. is your oyster. The, the world's your oyster, oyster and the sky is your limit. The sky is your oyster, <laughs> <laughs> Yes, we always, uh, I like a, a, a new saying on this show. That's yeah. not there you go. The sky you is your oyster. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. If people want to reach out to you and learn more about you or talk to you about your research and, uh, and your general yes. campaigning, what's the best method for them to do that? Um, either by our website or probably LinkedIn. I'm always waffling on on LinkedIn, so yeah, I seem to um, yeah, be there every day. So yeah, LinkedIn is a good one, isn't it? Yeah, excellent. Well, look, thank you very, very much. I can't believe it's probably taken it's probably taken me this long to get you on the show because I've had to get out of my own way about getting another recruiter on the, uh, on the show. <laughs> but um, we talked about eagles well, I really earlier appreciate on. It. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, no problem at all. I mean, you know, ultimately, uh, there's absolutely enough business for us all out there, isn't there? So, um, <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, and I absolutely, fundamentally believe that you're uh, one of the the good. I was going to say good guys. It's not very PC, is it these days? But you're one of the good people. I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah. And, Thanks, um, You too. Yeah, we should all look after each other for sure. Yeah, exactly. Great stuff. Thank you very much for having me. You're very, very welcome. Take care. And there we have it. No doubt that Abby's flying the positive flag for hospitality and I'd encourage everyone to reach out to her and engage on her research. Thanks so much, Abby. I'll be back again next week with more stories from hospitality, but until then, thanks so much for listening and I'll see you next week.